Hi there, I'm James Dapache, and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we are going to talk about some people who are shareholders in a company, they're directors in a company, and we're going to speak about them like essentially there's two people, but really we're talking about two groups of people. Hopefully we'll be able to get our head around that. And what these two groups of people do is they enter into business together and they incorporate two new companies. Um, this happens over the course of years. The first of those two companies is incorporated for the purpose of operating a gluten-free bakery. So they're off making gluten-free baked goods. The second company is a trustee company that owns land, and that is the land that you might guess that the first company operates the bakery from. So we've got our trading bakery operating company, and we've got our land-owning trustee company, and those are owned by, we're loosely gonna say, the plaintiffs and the defendants. And what happens over the course of years is that the plaintiffs and the defendants' relationship, sadly, tracks in the wrong direction, and there are various um, arguments about things that have happened. For example, the defendants are agitating for an increased salary, and we enter into this position where the defendants cause the company to pay them an increased salary. The plaintiffs go, well, I see that increased salary, I'm gonna pay that to myself. The defendants then go and record that increased payment as a loan on the part of the plaintiffs. And so you have this sort of funny little almost accounting dispute between the two. And that's really reflective of the fact that all parties accept that the relationship between themselves has broken down. This quasi-partnership, close relationship is no longer operating in a close quasi-partnership sort of a way. And so they end up coming to court. Now what is interesting is that as part of the litigation, the party's focus narrows and in essence what everyone really wants is for the defendants to buy out the shares of the plaintiff as first option and as option two for the companies to be wound up and also for a receiver to be appointed to the assets of the trust of the second trustee company. Right, so we're all coming together, they're all saying look, option one, uh, defendants buy out plaintiffs, option two, it's a wind up. Now importantly, there's been a mediation and there've been negotiations and that sort of thing before the litigation kicks off. And none of those mediations, none of those structured settlement discussions have really led towards everyone agreeing on a share price and agreeing for a mechanism for the sale of those shares. And so we find ourselves in court today. Importantly, what we have as a first element for the court to deal with is whether it would be just and equitable for the court to wind up the company pursuant to section 461 subsection 1k of the Corporations Act. Now the court sort of works through this but uh, thankfully on one view doesn't need to spend too much time on it because all parties are agreed that the relationship between them has deteriorated to the point that they're not getting along and that it would be appropriate for the company to be wound up on that just and equitable basis. Um, the court notes this but also comes to its own view that it also shares that view that yes it would be just and equitable for the company to be wound up. Now importantly the way that section of the Corporations Act operates is that the court will make a winding up order if it's just and equitable to do so, and unless there is some other less violent, less extreme way for dealing with the arguments between the relevant parties. And sometimes um, ways of dealing with that can be 
shoving the parties outside the courtroom to say, hey, go and negotiate and try to solve your differences and these sorts of things. And what the parties said, and particularly what the defendants said, was, um, well, 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 uh, before we go ahead with this winding up order, let's have a look at the court's power to force one party to buy out another party at fair value pursuant to Section 467 of the Corporations Act. Now, Section 467 allows the court to make alternate orders, sometimes some interim orders, in relation to a Section 461 winding up, winding up application. And what the defendants say is, hey, within the court's power to make these alternate interim sort of orders is a power for the court to order a buying out by one set of shareholders of the other, causing you know, the defendants to have to pay X dollars to the plaintiffs in order for the plaintiffs to transfer their shares. So the defendants are saying, and the plaintiffs are not really objection, uh, objecting because everyone wants this um, share sale to go ahead. The defendants are saying the court has the power, pursuant to section 467, to cause this buyout. Now the court actually has to consider some of the historical background to the way the statute was drafted. It needs to consider some previous cases. And the court finds, not without a little bit of hesitation, with great respect, that the court does not have the power, pursuant to that section, to order a court-ordered buyout at a fixed fair value. So the court says, can't help you from section 467, we don't have the power. So the defendants then say, well, 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 there's also an oppression case. And as you might know, section 232 of the Corporations Act and section 233 uh, grants the power for a shareholder to bring an application for remedies, including a share buyout, if some of those parties have been unfairly prejudiced. What the defendants say is, uh, well, there has been a case of unfair prejudice. That unfair prejudice was, we got a formal lease drawn up for company one, the bakery company, to enter into a really formal written lease with company two, the land owning company. And the plaintiffs stopped us entering into that agreement. They really got in the way they wouldn't agree and they prevented us from causing company one and company two entering into a formal lease when in previous years they'd had a much more casual interaction, as you might imagine. And so what the defendants say is that that is an example of oppressive conduct and that is going to be sufficient for the court to say there should be a forced share sale, a forced buyout order at fair value pursuant to section 233. Now what the court finds, frankly, is that this argument about the lease was not necessarily an example of un unfair prejudice and indeed the plaintiff's failure to agree to entering into the lease was on one view fairly reasonable, noting there'd be no formal legal advice and noting there's an argument that there'd be a bit of a conflict of interest of some of the parties involved if you're sort of wearing the hat of the director of company one and also wearing the hat of a director of company two. So the court says, not entering into a lease in those circumstances is not an example of oppression and so the court has no basis to make a buyout order. And so we have the court, remember having made this earlier finding of yes it would be just and equitable to wind up the company unless there's some other remedy. Well there's no section 467 buyout power and there's no oppression to ground a section 233 buyout order. And so the court says, I'm afraid it's a wind-up, even though that's everyone's second preference. The court also works through, with great respect in some detail, um, the valuation evidence in case um, the matter gets kicked up to the Court of Appeal and the Court of Appeal is interested in what the primary judge has to say about valuation. But in any case, the judgment works through 
as I say, with respect um, in some detail, some valuation evidence there. But the court comes to the view that the appointment of a liquidator to wind up the companies and that same person being appointed as a receiver of the assets of the trust that Company 2 is trustee of would be appropriate. The court notes that there were these negotiations, these mediations that sort of failed to reach an agreed outcome. But what the court does is, with great respect, a very uh, constructive and real world uh, approach. It adopts a very constructive and real world approach and says, hey, it's going to be a winding up order, but I will stay that winding up order for 14 days in order to give you one last chance or 14 last chances or whatever it might be for the plaintiffs and the defendants to sit down together and constructively discuss between themselves whether a share sale can be reached. I hope that discussion assisted you, particularly assisted you in relation to that sort of buyout versus winding up kind of position when the management of a company sort of falls apart in that way. And I look forward to joining you again soon for another coffee and in respect of another case note. Cheers.